The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to the Road World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak. Uh, on audio, you're not going to really see anything different, coolly, because you see nothing on audio. But we're here together in person in Stamford, Connecticut, uh, talking the latest NFL news, talking the latest drafting. A little news today: Colt McCoy has been cut. Probably going to retire. Uh, he had reached the Mark Brunel stage of his career. Yes, where he cannot go on the field without getting injured. Within five seconds, he was injured was literally pointing for the majority of training camp. So probably an overdue move. No Jonathan Taylor trade yet as of this recording. Um, but so it could be outdated by the time you listen to could this. Be. We're, talking, we're not really outdated. That, that's major news. And if we don't talk about it and it happens tonight, we look, we look foolish. Yeah. That's okay, right? Let's just say it goes to the Dolphins. Let's just call it. There are many ev- the eventualities. The we'll talk about each of them. Maybe. No, no, we're just going to actually, in this extended podcast universe, we are now going forward as if Jonathan Taylor's on the Dolphins. So, Denny, <laughs> who does it affect Jonathan Taylor being on the Dolphins? Uh, you got to think Devin A. Chain is still the RB1. <laughs> yeah, no, so, poor Devin A. Chain. Man, you don't hear too much about Devin A. Chain these days, do you? No, no, you don't. Talked a lot about him in the spring. I'm thinking, I'm not, uh, not entirely sure why. You know, he, he, he did seem like a spring kind of guy. <laughs> he was a very. He's, he's exciting yeah. uh, in, in theory. But theory can only take you so far. I heard that in a movie, oh, Denny, in a movie once. So Denny, so you know Denny's has uh, a few Twitter jokes. I will never so and so does so and so. Just want Denny saw a movie one time. <laughs> Denny and went to the movies once, it. and he can't stop talking about Oppenheimer, the first film he has seen since 2011. It is a good film, I'll say. And guess what? Guess who's distributing that film? Uh, MB- NBC, NBC Universal. Universal. Yeah. It's. Um, which, Printing money hand over fist. So. I thought you were going to say you were doing it. Like you were physically out there slinging copies. And, uh, yeah, we love our Oppenheimer, don't we, folks? But, you know, we love our fantasy football drafting. And here today we're going to talk about players we can't stop drafting. If any of you can even remember them, you don't have your laptop. Like you normally do. <laughs> I had to tap over my laptop. Mine is here. But we've done a lot of drafts. We've done a lot of mock drafts. done a lot of real drafts. done a lot of best ball drafts, which are somewhere in between a mock draft and a real draft. Everyone knows nothing really matters in best ball. And there's our friend Connor Rogers walking behind us. Um, uh, help us. <laughs> help us. Come join us. Secure us better equipment. Um, <laughs> help us. We're doing this yet really ad hoc. But, you know, Denny Carter, I'll ask you. Yeah. Who's someone so far this summer that you just can't stop drafting you're leaving every draft with? I refuse to leave a draft. In fact, I, I withdraw from the league if I can't get C.D. Lamb. Uh, in the first round. And and actually, I didn't go into the offseason thinking or into the summer thinking, oh, I got to get Lamb in every draft. But uh, upon further reflection, I don't think that there's anything in Mike McCarthy's play calling history uh, in the way the Cowboys offense is structured that says that they really are going to do this like stubborn, old school, establish the run thing. Okay. 
I don't, I don't think that's happening. Therefore, I think that they will be on the pass-heavy side. Maybe not Chiefs pass-heavy, but pass-heavy enough. Uh, CeeDee Lamb showed that he can be that alpha-type receiver last year. Um, and, and, and importantly, his slot rate uh, went from 42% in 2021 to 64% last year. Um, he has traditionally been really good from the slot. If you look at all the, the nerdy metrics, I won't bore you with them. Uh, but we we like we like him as fantasy managers. We like Ceedee Lamb in the slot more than half the time. That's what we got last year. I think we'll we'll see more of that this year. Didn't he really was kind of first on the case of like truthing the Mike McCarthy claiming yes. he's like a run god? Yeah. Around here, we just run the <laughs> ball. We've run the ball for twenty years. Look at my record. Yeah. And then Denny looked at Mike McCarthy's record once. Once. Just, <laughs> I mean, literally for like three minutes. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't it the most during McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay, the most pass-heavy team on first and second down <laughs> in the league by in far? The league, in the league, yeah, exactly. In the entire league, yeah. that was stunning. Like, if you're like, oh, he actually ranked 14th, that's not bad. That would check out to me. First in the league by right. far was a a drop I was not ready for right. by a large margin. And, and so the pushback on that is yes, but Aaron Rodgers, he had Aaron Rodgers. I would argue, and apparently I feel like I'm I'm you know on an island here on Twitter, especially or X or whatever it is, uh, <laughs> that that Dak Prescott is pretty good. I think that that you can actually lean on Dak Prescott. I think that he's uh, conservatively a top 10 or 12 starter in the league. I don't, I feel like that's controversial because of the pushback I get, but I, I, what I'm saying is yes, McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers last time. It's not like he has Cooper rush under center right now. You know what teams always do when they're planning to become more run heavy is cut their early down back and yeah. lead their backfield to the pass catching first back. This is something yes. run heavy teams always, always. do. We're well, gonna, a lot of times they'll they'll take a guy who's like five six and one hundred and sixty pounds. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, they are they're posturing like they're totally comfortable running through Dak with their moves in the off season. McCarthy's history does nothing but suggest that pass heaviness is in the range of outcomes. Then you've also sold me almost entirely on the sort of misread we had maybe early in the offseason on McCarthy. So I'm, I'm in on this. All right. You know, so Dak, too, is like the last like truly prolific and upside quarterback. I think you can get like – I feel like there's still a huge golf between Dak and Kirk Cousins. Like, yes. They're kind of similar players in fantasy at this point, but I feel like Dak, you can get like three 450-yard games per year. Kirk Cousins, you get like one – I just feel like there's three. Three might be a stretch. I'm not sure I there mean, are more than like two of these that happen a year. I feel like Dak is a tier above Kirk Cousins. Is that correct? Oh, I, I was like a talent. I'm I'm totally in on this, and I think the reason their stats have looked closer is because like last year the offense was really tailored to get the most out of Kirk Cousins, whereas last year for the Cowboys it was this: we want to sit right at negative one pass rate yeah, over yeah. expected. We want to sit right there. If we even get that up to like two, three, nothing crazy, like that will probably be the distance closed, and maybe even more so. Or like the Dak versus Kirk Cousins type of debates. I will say I don't know if this is my best ball brain refusing to turn off, uh, but in yeah, but possibly. <laughs> but in redraft leagues, I, I don't mind if I get Lamb in the first round. I don't mind targeting Dak Prescott in the middle rounds as because if you if you really think if you're betting on Dallas being pass heavy, then that's going to work out a lot of weeks. Is is the Dak to Lamb connection? I want to swerve the conversation real quick because talking about Kirk Cousins made me think about this. <laughs> I'm fading TJ Hawkinson like across the board and I've gotten this exact tweet. I mean, two separate times. Well, it seems like Rotopat's never heard a pass rate over expected. <laughs> so first off, this person is unaware that I podcasted with Patrick Kareem for two years. <laughs> right. <That's> not, <laughs> I don't know where uh, that was the, the, the exclusive topic Pat Kareem talks about. We love you, Pat. Uh, we miss you. Uh, please come back. 
You say, call him a traitor a lot for someone you love. He's a traitor, but we love him. And I honestly, I feel like people are really memory holing in the spring. Kevin O'Connell just kept talking about wanting a more balanced offense and wanting a more efficient running game. And I honestly would not be surprised if the Vikings went more run heavy this year than they did last year, even though they got rid of Dalvin Cook. I think people are kind of misreading the Vikings tea leaves. I know they went out and got Jordan Addison. And they cut their running back. Yeah, yeah. They did. Hold on, everybody. I just think they, their approach last year was frankly embarrassing. It didn't work. It just did not work. Um, they got easily beaten by the New York Giants in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I, that, but that's Kevin O'Connell was haunted by their approaches. So he talked about it all spring. I, just, I don't think the way to fix it, though, is like, well, we got to get Alexander Madison. I don't think it's Madison. I think they're going back. with like a three-man backfield. Well, we got to get Ty Chandler more touches. I don't think that's the way you fix it. I, I know for sure that's not the way you fix it. They might Maybe have. that's how he views it, but it would be a catastrophic blunder to be like, ah, oh, we just – we think we've reached the limit with Kirk Cousins. So let's let's pepper up Dwayne McBride with touches. I'm just not taking it as an article of faith that they're going to remain this PROE like monster. Like their attempts are just going to be only going up. I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings attempts. They're clearly going to remain a pass first team, but I actually wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings attempts saw a modest decrease. I don't know how they could really go higher, to be honest. Well, that would be really bad for me. <laughs> so I, I will be honest about that. Anyways, I don't know why we're talking about Kirk Cousins only ten minutes in the podcast. Kyle Dvorak. Who is a player you cannot stop drafting? I'm glad I got him early, and, you know, it's one of those things with Marvin Mims where early in the offseason I was hammering him, and I tell myself, okay, I've, I've, you know, got a lot of my best ball teams invested in Marvin Mims. I'm drafting him way more than, like, one out of 12, which would be your average. I should dial back. And then, like, nah, let's just <laughs> keep drafting him. He was a re- like, when I say he was a really strong prospect, when you look back, especially his freshman year, it was, it's one of the best age-adjusted seasons you'll ever find in college football. Over four yards per out run, which is insane. Like Getting over two and a half is something that, that really few players can do. And the players that do are really elite. He also topped a 20% college dominator in that season. And then he even improved his dominator in his final year. His yards per pass temp went up in his final year. Like That looks like the type of prospect we want to be buying into. But then I get the concerns that, oh, like Sean Payton, he brings in a bunch of his guys. He absolutely did bring in a bunch of his guys. They could just play over him. And the hit rates on rookies who go on day two are not so elite that we have to be buying in. Since then, since I had those, like, oh, maybe we don't get the playing time we want, the path has become absolutely paved for him to absolutely play nearly every snap in three wide. He could even be moving into two wide if Jerry Judy's not ready for week one. And that's all we need. I thought maybe it was a late season play at first. It's probably an early season play at this point with room to grow to be an elite late season play. There's not really a price rise for me that could push me out of Marvin Mims at this point. So you can't talk about Marvin Mims without talking about Jerry Judy. And over the weekend, there was a weird Jerry Judy talking point on Twitter. Like, he looks really happy on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he can be that hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh he, he also tweeted a, a crying laughing emoji. <laughs> Denny is not joking. He tweeted yeah. a crying laughing emoji. And do we think this is evidence that there's not anything to worry about Jerry Judy's hamstring injury? Or because Jerry Judy's a guy where I've been stopping the slide, hashtag stop the slides, <laughs> very often this summer. And uh, after he's been hurt, I mean, like, I think I got yeah. him in like the eighth or ninth round in our most recent fantasy football happy hour draft. Sounds right. Maybe the tenth. I don't think it's the tenth. I can pull it up for you. Eighth or ninth. And because I'm like, he's going to come back and play like in September. He is the number one receiver, I think. But it also offered a moment to like reassess Jerry Judy with the new offense. And like, what are we really basing our Jerry Judy love on? 
Denny? What is your uh, Jerry Judy spiel? I mean, I, I wrote him up earlier this offseason. He, he was wildly efficient by like by every measure during the last six weeks of, of last season when he was the clear number one uh, in that offense. And also that was when the offense got away from the horrible Nathaniel Hackett approach and actually started to move the ball a little bit, score some points. So, you know, he has that going for him. I think that his price, is, price point is reasonable uh right now I, but I, i'm i'm just so rarely excited to take him you know you 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 get to a point in the middle of the draft where you're looking around for upside options and i see him more as like a safe a safe play and i i could be i could be off on that but i, I see him more of as, as a safe play i'd see mims maybe as as more more of an upside option adjusted for for adp i think Jerry Judy playing into what Denny just said is more of like a, a hashtag value hound pick yeah, than yeah, an yeah, upside right, pick right. It's like you take him because he's dropped a round past his ADP. He was shockingly efficient last year without Sean Payton and with with a terrible, the abominable so version bad. of Russell Wilson. Yeah, he was top fifteen in yards per route run. He was top fifteen in five thirty eight open score metric. Like he really started to flash all the signs that we thought. I don't like. I, I I'll push back on being an upside or a, a lack of an upside he, play. Yeah. He was like a really strong prospect. I believe the team he, has he was on Alabama. Upside. The team he was on in Alabama was probably the Rugs, Waddle, Devonta Smith team that he led that team in receiving yards. Like that guy is teaming with upside. And I do think the injury is he's playing in September. Maybe he doesn't play week one, totally in the range of outcomes. It seems like he's playing in September. So like we're just drafting Broncos. Are we we're drafting Broncos. I have another Bronco on my list. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting running backs for the Broncos. But well, I got one of those on my list. So we're good. I'm, Earlier in this offseason, I said it was really easy to construct the Russell Wilson bounce back case. Mm-hmm. Now the season's almost here. Um, I haven't done it once. <laughs> I haven't drafted him one time. I mean, he, he looks he looks horrific. He looks he horrific. Does. He has, he but has. but something else. Say, no, you. I thought you were gonna. Is there a butt there? No, you but. say something that makes me feel good because now I'm looking nervous. Oh. Now I'm feeling nervous. There's a good and. Uh, Sean Payton seemingly does not like him. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so yes, I Jared know. Stidham was quite bad I, in some extended action. I'm sorry, I, but the only so we everybody wants to be excited about Wilson bouncing back, and then they see him play, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right." It's, oh. it's this guy. He he doesn't he doesn't do anything well except for throw downfield, and you can't get by on that constantly. Sometimes you can, and sometimes it looks cool, and it, and it worked in Seattle. They for did a while. it for a while. Yeah. One, yeah. But, but but the fact that he is so bad in the short and intermediate parts of the field, it just it just tanks the whole approach. I could see Sean Payton getting very frustrated very quickly. I think there's a world in which Payton brings out the best in him. He needs I think I think it's become clear that he needs that. He needs someone to mask his mistakes or his shortcomings and bring out the best in him. Also, I think Mims is a good bet to be part of the bring out the best in him movement Probably. because he fills that sort of real strong deep threat can go downfield and win the the iconic moon balls that, you know, we got to Lockett, we got to Metcalf. He's probably the best bet on this team to do that as a rookie, let alone if he exceeds our expectations. So I think there's a world in which this does pan out, but it does have to be sort of through the method you said where we see less of the iconic mistakes. He buys into the system more. And I don't know if that's happening. It's totally possible that we fall flat on our face again. I'm willing to find out, apparently. We love our iconic moon balls, by the way. Really, really great phrase. Kyle just introduced. That's the name of my band in college, by the way. Iconic moon balls. 
when I get to the first player, I cannot stop drafting. A word from our sponsors, who again are us. Roto World Draft Week is officially here. All week long, we've got drafts, articles, and more from all your favorite Roto World talent and special guests. Get all you need to dominate your upcoming fantasy drafts. Go to NBCSports.com slash fantasy to see the schedule of all that is happening this week and use promo code CHANT2023, or excuse me, CHANT23 to save 20% off at checkout and receive a $10 Fanatics gift card. That is NBC.com, NBCSports.com slash fantasy, promo code CHANT23 to save 20% off at checkout and a $10 Fanatics gift card. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm trying to drink this coffee and it's dribbling everywhere. That's really annoying me, actually. You blame the, it sounds like you blame the coffee for that. It's dribbling. Right. I think you're yeah. definitely no, no, no. doing... I'm not dribbling. By the way, this lid is not sealed. Folks, I, I have to tell you that there's a, uh, there's a practice putting green right in front of us here at NBC Sports headquarters. They had to drag me off of that to record this podcast. Uh, Kyle got my, my legs, mm-hmm. Matt got my arms, and they and they brought me Whoa. back into the uh, Diddy, studio. can you tell – there are three of us here. Two of us made long putts. Can you tell the audience who it was? Well, who, which one of us golfed? I've never golfed before. I've never golfed either. I've never golfed either. Okay. <laughs> and, no, I, yeah. Okay, so, yes, Kyle and Pat got very lucky and drained <laughs> – Long putts. It was two of the ugliest putting strokes you'll ever see in your life. If you live to 150 years old, you'll never see an uglier stroke. But hey, it went in. I'm happy for them. I'm I'm extremely happy. Denny did go. This is on a second floor. He did go and vomit over a side right <laughs> after watching my putting form. Not to get too graphic. I but. grinded my teeth until my molars came out. He did. He but did. Uh, what can you do? I will be doing that now if I have to draft this current player at cost. But a player I drafted all of August that I guess does not count anymore is Josh Jacobs. Where I was just, it was, especially when I was at like the two, three turn, or maybe even the end of the thir- third, third, fourth round turn, I kept stopping the slide with Josh Jacobs. Now, do we think is the ADP going to get too out of control? Or will uh, is, is it too late for an ADP adjustment? Are we even worried about Josh Jacobs, his his ADP creeping? Or cause I have Josh Jacobs on like every managed team I have, basically. We're like, I'm, third, third round Jacobs was the best thing that ever fun. happened. It was really, very fun. A lot, but yeah, I think he'll get into the second round. Oh, he'll get into the second round. It's whether he gets up to that like 15 16 or if he stays closer to the end of the second. If he stays close to the end of the second, it's fine. I'm not dying to get him. He didn't quite get there as a player last year on extreme efficiency. He was a solidly efficient player who got as good a volume as you can ask for, enough to lead the league in yards from scrimmage. I think my only concern that once he gets, if he gets to say like pick 15 and ADP, 14 and ADP is that they just did not use another single backup running back last year. I mean, Zamir White was hardly involved. I think he had, like, less than 25 carries. And by the way, I don't, did you notice they, like, totally gave up on the Zamir White hype? Like, earlier in the spring, they were talking about, but Zamir White's taking a big jump. Yes, yes. He's taking a big, big jump. And, like, the second the pads went on in camp, a Raiders coach, like, <laughs> never mentioned him again. We haven't had a blurb on him since no, 2021. No, no, no. A Raiders coach <laughs> never mentioned Zamir White again. 
you kind of need that to be true, though, because if he goes out and does like anything, goes in for thirty percent of the snaps, something that, that isn't nothing, real bad. That would be bad. <laughs> I don't think that's the most likely thing, though. Like you said, the, the hype has died down. It doesn't seem like they have a strong interest in using him based on what they did last year, and now that they're committed back to Josh Jacobs for another year. But that's like a very obvious out to it failing, which is why if we get at that one two turn, that's where I'm out. The end of the second, I think, is a perfectly fine pick. We'll be looking very powerfully into if Amir Abdullah is still on the Raiders. By the <laughs> oh, way. he's still on the Raiders. <laughs> well, I was wondering, he might not yeah. be after Tuesday. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, he probably will be, though. He probably will be. He's the kind of veteran, like, great. Both guy. him and Brandon Bolden play special teams, too, so they'll be on. You know, if you went back in time and told us in what, 2017, I think it was when Amir Abdullah was drafted, that, yeah, he's going to still be in the league in 2023. Like, that's very good news. Uh, as a special teams great guy. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that's that's how you grind out a career for someone. That's but like I'm just good. saying, I mean, it's crazy. Amir Do you remember Abdullah, the long preseason run exactly. as a lion? Iconic. Truly yeah. iconic. Abdullah was the chosen one. He wasn't he was. supposed to be a pre, like a special teams great guy. Uh, I will say with Jacobs, uh, there's a lot of historical precedent for backsliding on efficiency uh, after, after the amount of touches yes. that he saw. If you look at other players who have had I think it was 325 touches, maybe more. He, he came up close to 400. Yeah, 375. Year. He got to 393 last year. Okay, so so that 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 level of involvement, you do see usually backsliding. I think that we will see that. That doesn't mean that he's not worth drafting, but that's why third round Jacobs was so appealing, and why first round, end of first round, early second round Jacobs is a lot less appealing. A lot, a lot less appealing. Another guy. So since Josh Jacobs doesn't really count. I have. I did not want to be in on this player. In fact, I was out on this player all spring and like early summer. I'm like intellectually, I was like, I'll never draft this guy. And then once I started actually drafting, uh, keep taking Calvin. And it's mostly yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's so. I've made this point several times already this summer. So sorry if you've already heard this. Like receiver for a few years, you got where it was like wide receiver twelve and thirty. Like twelve to thirty, there was almost no difference between any of those players. Like in a good way, mm-hmm. like they were all like legit wide receiver twos. A lot of them had like wide receiver one upside. Like it just really didn't matter who you picked. You were getting like an eleven hundred yard receiver, like six or seven touchdowns probably. I just feel like that's not the case this year. And then like that Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper zone. I've just found myself betting on the unknown upside of Calvin Ridley, like way more than I expected. But that. It's not for any like grand statistical reason. <laughs> it really is more like it's like it's got that dog in him and like the unknown upside, like like whatever. I'm gonna gamble on like a stratospheric season from Calvin Ridley rather than taking DK Metcalf, not knowing where how the targets are really gonna shake out in that three man receiver core, or how things are really gonna shake out in the Browns offense with Deshaun Watson. Or yeah, I don't know if the process is good, but I just keep betting on that quote unknown upside with Calvin Ridley. And I, I feel very uncertain about it. I mean, I think some of the upside is known in a good way. Like, we, we've we seen it. It's not like he's like, oh, what if this guy, like I said, you know, Marvin Mims. I truly don't know what Marvin Mims is going to yeah, be in yeah, the NFL. Yeah, yeah. He could be a bust. Like, that's what happens. We know for sure that at some point in time, uh, circa 2020, Calvin Ridley was able to be a team's, like, elite number one receiver, led the NFL in air yards, was a wide receiver one, and now he moves to a team that, like, Trevor Lawrence looks very much to be on the Joe Burrow trajectory. Like, you see him the year immediately after the Urban Meyer debacle. He comes out, and he's, like, top 10 in EPA play. He's strong in CPOE. And I don't say it's his rookie year, right? But it's closer to his rookie year than you would think, for me, given how little stock I want to put into his actual rookie year. If you're treating this still as, let's focus on what he did last year and how he improves from there, 
the ceiling feels extremely high for this offense. And the ceiling feels like dominates the targets, dominates the air yards for Calvin Ridley. This is the spot where I'd say maybe it depends a little bit on your roster construction. If you don't feel solid at receiver at this point, Ridley's definitely a higher distribution player. There are outcomes where like, oh, he hasn't played football since 2020. He turns out to be not that great, but he's got a ceiling that probably trumps DK Metcalf. Like, I'm not sure DK Metcalf separates from Lockett, separates from JSN in the same way Calvin Ridley can separate from his teammates. Uh, Rich Rebar sort of talked me into uh, Ridley last week when he talks about the, the potential for massive passing volume for Jacksonville. It's not something I really consider because I, I don't think of Doug Peterson as a, like a pass-first, pass-heavy type guy, but they were leaning in that direction last year. Maybe they go full in now that they have Ridley. And this is a very small small sample, but in the preseason, Ridley has been pretty incredible. Five targets on 15 pass routes. He's caught all five for, 70, for 71 yards and a near touchdown. So I, I, I do think – I've, I've been wrong, actually, on, on Calvin Ridley. I'm afraid now that I have almost no exposure to Ridley that I'm going to regret that. Reeves made a really great non-statistical point on Calvin Ridley, too, where he's like, he, he basically said he didn't think it was a coincidence that three kind of like journeyman players and Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram all had career years the second they yeah. linked up with Trevor Lawrence and yeah. Doug Peterson. And that – Maybe it is this too sprawling of an offense where you, no one player will be able to carve out a big enough target share to become like a dominant wide receiver two, maybe even a low-end wide receiver one. But it was a pretty intriguing non-statistical point for me. But yeah, the second anyone plays with this guy, uh, they were having the best year of their careers. Uh, kind of an interesting point. In another, another thing that I really didn't think about with, with, with Christian Kirk especially, like, oh yeah, it's this guy who's just been a middling receiver. He's taking bartenders and making them yeah. wide receiver two. Yeah, his his uh, Kirk's weighted opportunity was really not that much different from like Zay Jones either. His air yard share wasn't that different from from Marvin Jones either. To me, they have a lot of good ancillary pieces, and then Calvin Ridley. If he is the Ridley we saw in twenty twenty, I, I don't know if he is, but if he is that guy, it should be very easy to separate from Kirk and from Zay. Denny, who is another player we cannot stop drafting in summer twenty twenty three drafts? You know, I, I guess I I'm, I'm in mostly industry type drafts where everybody's sick and everybody takes 15 receivers in a row. And so a guy like Aaron Jones will fall to like kind of an absurd place in the draft. It happened in my home league the other night too. Okay. All right. So not just industry. No, this is good to know. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so I, I, in 12 team leagues, I'm regularly getting him at the beginning of the sixth round. And if you want to go zero RB or some variation of it, I think that that's that's a great place to take a guy like Jones as your RB one, or maybe maybe you had the second pick overall, so you took CMC. Aaron Jones makes for a great RB two in that spot too. Last year, Aaron Jones uh, had sixty percent of the Green Bay backfield's high value touches. That's targets and uh, uh, carries inside the ten. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it's it's targets and then all touches inside the ten. Uh, Dylan had AJ Dylan had forty percent of those. Aaron Jones was sixth in running back targets last year, just to cite one boomer stat. And uh, Jones and Dylan basically split green zone touches for Green Bay. So, so I am acknowledging, and I think that his ADP reflects that AJ Dylan is going to see a lot of a lot of touches, a lot of carries inside the five at the one. You, you're going to miss out on some of that, but I I cannot turn him down. The way that I build my teams, I I can't look at Aaron Jones in the sixth and say, ah, no thanks. He's just a play where the bloom is off, but there's like no reason for it. To yeah. be. Like 
no one in the year 2023 is constructing cases to draft Aaron no. Jones anymore. But there's also no reason to not draft Aaron Jones. It's kind of <laughs> what we come back to, I think, sometimes. I'll say he's a soon-to-be 29-year-old running back going from a four-time MVP quarterback. What, what are you saying about being 29? I'm saying it's really old. Like 29 is bad. What if you're you 10 older, 10 years older than that guy? Some might say ooh, 11 years old. Yeah, some some would say that. <laughs> some might say that. Yeah, that'd be bad. I'm terrified of that happening. I, like for the people out there, I, I'm so sorry if you reach that age. There, <laughs> does this hit home for anyone? I'm 40, but I'm not a running back. Kyle Devorchuk, by the way, uh, quoting Pete Townsend, where he hope, hope I die before I get old. Um, <laughs> the Zoomers have never heard of Pete Townsend or that line, but sorry, Kyle. Yeah, that is true. I've never heard of him either of those things. Uh, he's getting up there in age, going from four-time MVP quarterback, who was really strong in his usage of running backs, to an unknown, possibly still strong usage from Jordan Love. But I expect the offense to get worse because they're going from an incredible quarterback to uh, he might be fine. Actually, I think he's looked really good in the preseason. But there are levels to this game. I think it's fair to say Aaron Rodgers is better than Jordan Love. So I'm going to say the offense probably gets worse. The running back usage probably comes down. He's not getting all the goal line usage. He's getting older. I will say he hasn't showed any signs of slowing. He remains extremely efficient, but that will fall off one day. Yeah. It, it, age comes for all of these running backs, and when it hits, you turn into Zeke faster than you think. I feel like A.J. Dillon being bad should count for something. Yes. Oh, I don't think A.J. Dillon's See, bad. I'm not, I'm, he's bad. I don't think he's, he's not bad. bad. He's bad. No, he's fine. Like, he was no, like, no, no. He was like strong, a strong goal line option. He was, he was like was a he? higher, yeah, he was a higher success rate player than Aaron Jones, like closer to the goal no line. Yeah, I, I think he's a good touchdown <laughs> puncher and a good short yardage yeah, yeah. guy. He doesn't score that. touchdowns. When does he score touchdowns? I just, sure. <laughs> There's no way to know. No way to look it up. Show me where I, AJ Dillon scored. Yeah, touchdowns. See, I'd like to see. I, this. I am not afraid of AJ Dillon like overtaking Aaron Jones. Agreed. I agree with that. Yeah, he scored like nine touchdowns two years ago. He had seven last year. Yeah, his career high seven. Last year, actually, that is uh, true. Didn't play as a <laughs> I think Jones is fine, but I think there are a lot of like red flags, and those are things that when it goes, it goes, and you probably can find. Hey, Kyle, the way he's talking about being over the age of twenty-seven, I'm so really sorry. when it goes, it goes. Okay. Yeah. Again, you guys, you're at the kicker age. You can both be kickers. You're in a soccer jersey. You love kicking. Uh, St. Louis City SC represent. So you guys are fine. With the age stuff. Aaron Jones was fine with the age stuff last year. But when it goes, it goes. He's not getting an elite workload, which is something that can prop up these backs whose efficiency is declining. I think you can probably find similar profiles. Like, take James Cook later. Do that. I recently I saw agree. Kyle speaking about a veteran player where he said, no. glue factory looming no. large oh. for insert older player. Um, it sounds no. like he thinks the same. No comment. No comment. About Aaron Jones. Kyle, we're going to get to your second player that you can't stop drafting the summer with first another word for our spot from our sponsors looking for a way to start your final sunday before the nfl regular season look no further than mlb sunday leadoff exclusively on peacock this week we are featuring two teams in the thick of the national league playoff race as the philadelphia phillies travel to american family field to face the nl central leading milwaukee brewers catch the action live at 12 30 p.m eastern only on peacock and don't forget Find all your favorite NBC Sports shows and Amazon music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. American Family Field? Yeah, it's bad. The is, Brewers, is it a company? It used to be Miller Field, and they sold the name. Yeah. Again. And by producer Adam, uh, would like him fired for making me read that the Milwaukee Brewers are leading the National League Central. It never happened. It's a fiction. <laughs> um, made it up. How the Cardinals do it? Uh, not the best. We made it up. It's a fiction. The Cardinals are not in last place for the first time in like 70 years. Don't the Cardinals have that one picture they're trying to get 200 wins and gets blown up every this time? Is not a joke. This is not a joke. Is Adam Wainwright. Wainwright? Yeah. Adam Wainwright. He's, he's pivoted to 200 career losses. <laughs> is he close to 200 losses? No, he's oh, not. Dang. He's not anywhere close to 200 okay, losses. Okay. He might be by the end of the season. Yeah, I feel like I saw someone tweet like, oh, he's two, two games away or something the, like that. The glue factory oh, loom, looming quite large for certain. Yeah, it's like, like one or, those Cardinals. It's one or two games away, right? He's literally two games two, away. Two games away. And it's the only every time someone tweets it, dude goes out and gives up six runs in three innings. <laughs> well, it was so bad. So as everyone knows, wins are the ultimate boomer stat. Yeah, yeah. But it's become a huge goal for the Cardinals to get Adam Wainwright to 200 wins. It's their Mike Evans 1,000 yard season. Exactly. Yeah, he's, been, he's been so bad this year. And he went out in Arizona against a really good Diamondbacks offense and pitched like by far his best game of the season. He, I know, he was on I a pitch count. He like gutted through five innings. We were winning like four to one. And then the Cardinals immediately oh, coughed up. The, and then they ended up winning the game to make oh. it even worse. They coughed up the lead immediately. They still won, but robbed him of the win. Yes, Team win doesn't matter at all. Not for the Cardinals. Cardinals. They're done, right? I assume they're done. We are done. We, I mean they. I never say we. Well, that'll be the Bucs this season. Mike Evans will have uh, 12 catches for 102 yards, and they will lose 41 to 12, and it won't matter. It won't matter at all. Boy, Mike Evans, I think he's going to get traded. I actually do think he's going to get traded for the deadline. Really? Why would he not? Football needs to get more like MLB in that regard. No, I they do. Get rid of these players that are not helping your team and they can get you like a day. It's crazy. Basketball is that way too. And football, they, teams oh, don't man. want to they buy don't. into like getting all out on a season. I'll say the Cardinals maybe are kind of doing some of that. They're doing a little they bit are. of that action. They but are. they're one of the very few teams that are having the foresight to be like, we're dead this year. It's week zero and we're already dead. The Cardinals not trying to get Colt, Colt McCoy to 200 career wins. The Arizona Cardinals, if, he was cut. If, uh, by the way, if Evans go, if Evans is traded, it is Trey Palmer Sisson. It is. I sighed, but it's, it's so true. There could be a little bit of Trey Palmer Sisson action already. Yeah, if, if he gets to step up as their third receiver and they're forced to pass a yeah, lot, yeah. I would, you know, 20th round best ball kind of guy. <laughs> I don't hate it, though. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Normal people redraft. <laughs> Normal <laughs> people what draft? Yes, yes. Seasonal people play seasonal leagues where they manage their roster. Star, star him on the waiver wire. Keep him. I like. I like to star some of the guys. I'm like, I just want to know what this guy's up yeah. to in week five. It's star. Very charming whenever Denny pretends he's met a normal person. I I used to know normal people who played fantasy <laughs> football in redraft leagues, and now I just know you guys. You and I used to be those. Guys. Yeah, that's true. I'm. St- I still try to be that guy. I still have a few redrafts. Kyle, who? Is the second player you cannot stop drafting this summer? Chris Olave. I think it's kind of crazy that he goes at the back end of the sort of less interesting wide receiver mm-hmm. ones. Like he goes in that Devon Smith, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle kind of range. When his rookie season was one of the best in the NFL in the past decade, he was seventh in target share for all rookies over the past decade. He was top five in yards per route run for all rookie receivers in the past decade. And there were un- it was under pretty middling circumstances outside of low target competition, but the offense 
really wasn't that great. So to me, this is – and, like, the guys who rank top five, top ten in these are your Jamar Chases, Justin Jefferson's, Odell Beckham's. Like, you consistently see guys who are elite as rookie receivers. They just keep it up. And not only do they keep it up, but they continue to get better. So to me, he had every calling card, every green flag of a future superstar. And we can still get him at the two to three turn. So he's such an easy bet to make on pure talent because we saw it last year. I agree with Kyle's bold take on Chris Lave, actually. But Denny and I – Listen to one of our good industry friends, the extremely smart Rich Rebar, say on the show last week, he thought Chris Olave was going to kind of be a bust in 2023. After hearing Kyle, after hearing Rich, where are you falling, Denny? Yeah, I, uh, Rich freaked me out. Uh, Rich, <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, thank you for just completely rattling me. Every time I see Olave on the dra- on the board now in the second round, I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Before, I was like, yes, auto pick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Olave is good. Rich's argument Part part of the argument, the part, apart. the part that it. no, no, listen, the part that got me was the Saints are gonna be a boring offense, but they already were. That's true. <laughs> Michael Thomas is there. Okay, neat, the slant king. I'm just saying he's not nobody. Um, uh, you know, I, I so he's gonna have to be like uber efficient, probably, right? I don't know. I I just I I do feel like what is is Garrett Wilson going just before Alave? Not, Not just, just before, before more, yeah. more than just before. Yeah, more because I didn't want to say I'd rather have Garrett Wilson in the lobby. I think we're all in agreement mm-hmm. on that. Um, but I, Rich raised some some questions that I don't really have answers for. But I am glad to know that Kyle is a little bit bullish because I, I have a lot of a lot. Has there ever been a low volume Derek Carr offense? I feel I like know, he's so middling that yes. every game is close mm-hmm. that they just like have to yes. throw. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, I guess they're hoping this year that the close games they don't throw and they run, but. It seems like no matter what, he gets forced into like 650 attempts, even before the season went to 17 games. The, the Saints have the second easiest schedule. They do. Uh, and, and so it's the Falcons and Saints have by far and away the two softest schedules. By far. Which is, which is why, you know, I've been dabbling in some Falcons players despite not really liking the team. But, uh, you know, that I don't know if that's good for Alave, though. I don't know. Yeah, it is tough to say. But not tough to say he was an extremely – at an extremely good rookie year yeah. and efficiency and really use yeah, exactly the fact that he can both go out and be top five in yards per route run among rookies over the past decade but he wasn't just doing it on like a part-time player role he was doing it as a full-time player and then he also goes out and is top 10 in total target share among rookies like these are the boxes we check for future superstars he wasn't just like a good rookie season i like cannot stress it was one of the best of the past decade and those guys go on to be stars. So to me, it's purely a bet on talent, which we got such a strong confirmation on last year. Chris Olave is purely a bet on talent. My second guy who I keep drafting is a purely a bet on role, and I guess maybe talent, and also definitely preseason narratives. Where every league where I where like I end up taking like two running backs in my first five picks, which is happening a lot this year because I just feel like running back is deeper than it's been in several years. Our receiver is shallower. And it's been in several years, and I keep finding myself like getting value with guys <laughs> like Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, et cetera, and kind of needing to just bank some touches at receiver, like in the five to seven range. And that's why I keep drafting Deontay Johnson. Yeah. And keep not knowing how I feel about Deontay Johnson. So the industry, all like the, the smart people are like back in on the Steelers now and really touting Deontay Johnson, really touting George Pickens. 
they're beginning to dabble and even now this is horrifying and touting Kenny Pickett <laughs> and just not really sure what to think about that. But <laughs> sorry if there are kids in the yeah, room. but it is really hard to argue with. Like Deontay Johnson is like 140 targets waiting to happen. Zero touchdowns. Uh, he's simply has to score more touchdowns. It has to. Happen. Kenny Pickett has been the player of the summer. He has not really been tested, of course, but Kenny Pickett has been like a he's been just a, a box checker all offseason. Media hype, coaching staff hype. Uh, on the field preseason hype against second and third team defenses for the most part. Oh. He faced the Bills' first team defense briefly. But Deontay Johnson just seems like a really, really clear-cut bounce-back candidate yeah. whose ADP is depressed compared to the past several years. Yeah. And I keep drafting. Tell me if So I, I see – I I think it's kind of nuts that George Pickens is going before Deontay Johnson. Yeah, that some, didn't used to be that way. That flipped, yeah. at least like in best ball drafts, but home drafts followed the same sort of trends. That flipped recently – that's crazy. It, it was One of these guys is incredible at earning targets yeah. and gets separation, something yeah. that I like to see from my guys. And one of them I think is like an interesting player in Pickens, but I, like we know that volume is the driver of fantasy points. It's the highest predictive stat we have. Right. I'm going to take the guy who's like, like said, dude, lock him in for like 140 targets. It's so easy. So I think what happened was Pickens made two cool catches. <laughs> he did. Dude, he's so good at those. Against those quite literally the third team defense. Right. It's a, right, against against a guy who no longer has a job in the NFL. I, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I The Pickens thing is weird because you like to watch him play. It's cool. Steelers fans are in love with George Pickens. Man, they love that guy. They don't even, they've never even talked about Deontay Johnson. They want George Pickens in the Steelers' ring of fame already. Uh, so that's all happening. But then, you know, Deontay Johnson is going to lead the team in targets. He's going to lead in receptions and yardage and everything. He's not going to lead in cool – catches and double coverage that's mm-hmm. for sure okay but but yeah Deontay Johnson to me no matter how you're building your team if you if you're doing if you're doing the back and forth thing running back wide receiver that sort of thing you can get him as your wide receiver too right and I think that's okay if you're going zero RB you can get him as your wide receiver four as your flex I, yeah. I think that's great the other night in one of my home league drafts my brother-in-law and I co-manage a team and I talked him into taking Deontay Johnson and after we took him He's like, so did, did he get his drop issues fixed last year? And I was like, ooh, uh, no, not even close. Look, you're, you're losing, look, if he has a really bad season, he drops 10 balls, and eh, you're losing like 20 PPR points. Shave those. That's a tax. You pay a little tax. It is like a tax right Drops don't matter. That is a really good point. Denny, who's another yeah. player? You cannot stop drafting. Well, it's a, it's a guy who, who Kyle mentioned as sort of an arbitrage option to Aaron Jones, James Cook. Uh, all, all of the tea leaves. I've been, I've been reading the tea leaves very First strongly. Off, and so we're in person. Denny cannot stop reading tea leaves. It's like all he does all day. Is yeah. Also, no leaves. one has the heart to tell him none of the leaves he picked up are tea leaves. <laughs> they're not they're actually, shrubs, bushes. This is a very normal plant leaf. They're, they're just regular leaves. <laughs> Many of them are dead. Yeah, like Kyle said, they're mostly from shrubs. But uh, I'm reading them. And, and one of them told me that the athletics Joe Buscaglia said just, just today, uh, to Buscaglia, Monday. Buscaglia. It's a silent G? Buscaglia. No. So Denny right. makes fun of me for how obsessive I am with my name. When we had Joe Biscaglia on the show, I'm like, Joe, can you pronounce your name 20 minutes straight for me? <laughs> <laughs> so I know how to pronounce it. Uh, so sorry. You actually, uh, it was weird that you asked his grandfather to come on <laughs> to confirm the pronunciation. Is this the way the family's always pronounced I, it? Yeah. Like Gus. Right. Gus Biscaglia. He was a really good guy. Talking about the old country. Yeah, it was yeah, very, it was a weird time. It was a weird free show thing. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so Joe from The Athletics said, that James Cook is, quote, the clear top back in Buffalo. Offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey recently complimented 
I know this sounds funny, but compliment of James Cook's blocking. And folks, that is important. It is. I hate that it's important, but offensive coordinators and head coaches love to see a running back blow up a blitzer, right? And that gets them playing time. I do think that Damian Harris struggling to separate from Latavius Murray, okay, who I thought retired in 2016. I think that that's bad news for Harris. I think it's good news for James Cook. I do want to mention quickly, last year, uh, if you add up the running back targets across the board for Buffalo, you get an 18% target share. I'm not saying all of that goes to James Cook, but I think that he could kind of be a sneaky option in PPR. And again, the way I'm drafting my teams, James Cook looks awfully, awfully draftable in the middle rounds. What's your take on James Cook, Kyle? I like this one. I think this is like a clear spot for a breakout running back. His price is going up, but I think it's going to efficient. It's going from a place where he was going way undervalued. The team all offseason, the beat reporters, the coaches have all talked him up to have three down potential. He has that skill set in his repertoire. It's all there for the taking. All he has to do is, is land the plane. And I'm going to bet on him doing that versus Damian Harris, who they're not committed to by much money, or Latavius Murray, who's not far off from your guys' age. He's literally 30, like <laughs> three or four. <laughs> so I'm not concerned that if James Cook is as talented as we think he can be, he should blow past those guys. So I actually, I think this is a really strong bet on a breakout running back. The thing I do worry about with James Cook, like, is he like maxing out as a chase Edmonds? Where it doesn't matter if it's Latavius Murray. It doesn't matter if it's Damian Harris. He's not getting goal line carries. He's not even really getting used a lot inside the 20. Like, is he, like, a pure between the 20s player? And can he can he be as efficient as a pass catcher at, as he was last year, increased volume? It, I just I do worry about James Cook falling into the Chase Edmonds zone. I've actually been drafting a lot of James Cook because he's been falling. His ADP never really took off. Like, it's, it's not like it's, like, super low. Or, excuse me, super, like, it's not like he's been, like, a bargain all summer, but he hasn't ever gotten expensive. Um, so so I, I have some shares. I just wonder, worry about him falling okay. in to the Chase Edmonds. So I, I talk about a guy I can't stop drafting, and you immediately compare him to Chase Edmonds. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty rude. It is rude. And I uh, I spoke to someone. So I fought in the Chase Edmonds war, war Chase Edmonds wars, yeah. and I died immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, right. First day, I was killed in the trench. You, um, Quite easily. <laughs> While you were talking to a yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah. I was on my cell phone, and they kept telling me to get down, and I was killed. What year did you do your tour? Was a lot. <laughs> we did this war a few times. They told me, sir, stop texting and put on your helmet. And I said, hold on, I'm drafting Chase Edmonds, and I died. It was bad. It was really bad. Kyle, who's someone else you can't stop drafting in the year? 2023. Year of our Lord, 2023. I feel bad that I'm taking two bronzes. That's probably not real bad sign. The best sign. <laughs> real bad. But the thing is, there are a lot of good bets on talent on the Broncos. If Russell Wilson isn't one of them, we've got some problems. This isn't Russell Wilson. It's Javante Williams. Since entering the league on players with at least 150 carries, Javante ranks first in the NFL in missed tackles force per attempt. He is top 10 in yards after contact. He's got a usable receiving profile, and we saw, I think they have really no limitations on him physically. We saw in their second preseason game in which they gave like the starters and him a meaningful amount of run. He came out, and the first four snaps of the game were all targets or carries for Javante, and he got eight within the first two to three drives. There were clearly no limitations on his usage, or they were testing it and didn't find any limitations. So he's got 
bell cow potential, maybe he doesn't get there. But you don't need him to play every single snap at the current draft cost. And I still think you have that as a part of the range of outcomes. Maybe you don't get there. You've got explosive rushing potential, a strong receiving profile. To me, it's just another sort of James Cook type of a clear bet on a breakout running back that I think in years past when we weren't drafting so receiver heavy could have been like a fourth, a fifth round pick. And unlike James Cook, he actually has more of that prototypical size we see for a running back. I'm not concerned he gets stuck in the Chase Edmonds only between the 20s type of role. The uh, the running back role in the Sean Payton offense is very interesting for me. And, that, and that's why I have taken Javante Williams a lot as it's become clear that he's, he's, okay, he's okay, yeah. which is which is weird to say. But he, he seems to be okay for the start of the season. Um, I know P. Ryan is there, but Javante Williams is still going in the middle rounds. Like, it's it's not like he jumped into the third round. He like, did not. You know, I thought we would get a meteoric rise. Me too. And we just didn't really we get it. Done. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. I get the P. Ryan's there. P. It's because of all the people who died in the J.K. Dobbins wars. And, right. That's right. true, yeah. The population loss uh, <laughs> is getting darker. Central darker. Europe has not recovered from the J.K. Dobbins wars. And, and uh, so I do have P Ryan as well on, on a few teams. So I, I, I guess I'm hedging my bets there. But if one of those guys gets the pass catching role out of that backfield, that is going to be really valuable. Did they really gotten three players from me? I can't remember. Yeah, Aaron Jones, James Cook, and CD Lamb. My third, and this is not someone I really intended to talk about on the podcast, but it was just someone who I keep taking lately, and it's Tua Tagovailoa, where. This is a year where I actually like kind of using an earlier quarterback pick because I just feel like the top, the big five is so far ahead of the rest of the group of quarterback. The big five being Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson. Like they just feel like a whole tier above to me. Did you miss Jalen Hurts? I did miss Jalen Hurts. (laughs) Did I say six? I did say six. Lamar is Lamar in the big five? I guess to me, yes. I can see why some some people people might say say Lamar and some people might say it's Herbert. But the top five or six, very clear cut, the top, the quarterback. Then if I miss out on that group, though, I just keep finding myself taking Tua in like the ninth, the tenth round. I'm just basically betting on another, like the Dolphins refining their attack, like not taking a step back, but just like further refining that attack that just printed money in fantasy yeah, last did. year. For most of the year, there was the weird injury interludes, and the interludes were like, the team was like, yeah – just don't let them pass over the middle of the field constantly, <laughs> and uh, we'll be good. But I just think that attack is going to be even further refined in the Tua is just the right man. He, he, he's in the right place at the right time. And I keep taking Tua when I don't get an early – when I say early round quarterback, I still mean like fourth or fifth yeah. round. I, I do I do get the appeal because that, that offense is, is – That's the thing. I, super, I, just, I want a piece of that offense. Right. Here. It's super fun for fantasy uh, high, you know, concentrated targetry uh, with with Waddle and, and Hill. Um, Tua seems to be the kind of quarterback that can execute the Shanahan type system. Uh, I will say that Rich Rich freaked me out on, on many on many levels. And what, one one point he brought up was Miami's schedule is tough. I don't care. That, so <laughs> wait a sec. first off, wait, okay, you, I'll let you I'll let you Tua has has actually been pretty bad against even like middle tier and especially elite defenses. He, they have the third toughest schedule, only the Raiders and the Patriots. Good luck to the Raiders, by the way, have, have, <laughs> have, have tougher, have tougher schedules this year. I, I don't know. And also a two is going around Anthony Richardson. I'm taking Richardson a hundred times 
out of a hundred. Have Ever. you seen the jujitsu stuff that Tua does jujitsu now? He's been doing. He still, he still can't fall. No, he still he's doesn't falling. Know how to fall. He's falling good now. What are you talking about? No, he tried to recover a fumble like someone who fell out of a helicopter. He is falling his ass off now. <laughs> he, is <laughs> he is falling, and he looks terrible. He's no, like a stuntman no, now. He's doing prop no, falls. He he's like doing them for fun. He, you, he looked like he was in a roll cage. No, it was amazing. No, he looks terrible. My man, how much you see? He can fall now. How much you see this? My dude can fall now. I, I don't think he can. I will say I'm going to make it totally like it's been a while since I made a point this idiotic on the show. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm excited for that. I think it's easier to predict easy schedules than bad schedules. I think you can predict an easy schedule like you can for an NFC South team. But it's objectively a bad division. Like there's just not a lot of like good teams. Yeah. There's like no good teams in this division. So I feel very confident in knowing the Saints have an easy schedule. When I hear the Dolphins have like the second or third worst guy, I'm like whatever. Who, who, which of these teams do we really know is this good? The Jets are going to eat them up. I can tell you that. The Bills are going to eat them up. The Bills' defense, I don't know, man. The Dolphins went toe-to-toe with the Bills three times last year. Skylar Thompson had a usable fantasy day against know, the Bills right. in the playoffs. I'm just not worried, that worried about the Dolphins' schedule. All right, That's well, kind of how I feel, too, yeah, frankly. Yeah. Sure. But I, I, Obviously, I prefer all things being equal that my quarterback gets to play like dude this version of the rams defense we're going to see this year is, is going to be atrocious like they have just jettisoned everyone that we care about 41 to nothing lost to the broncos dude. yeah it's going to be ugly would i prefer them to play a team like that obviously i would but am i that concerned with the schedule when we know how elite to it was last year it's not like oh he was good he coasted on an easy schedule last year he didn't coast he, he nuked every one of his opponents he was second in epa per play he was second in touchdown rate, he was first in yards per attempt. He was top 10 in CPOE. Look up any of these dumb nerd metrics, and you'll find that he was not good. He was nearly the best quarterback in the NFL. Do I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL? No, obviously not. I don't care. He's got the same receivers. He's got the same coach. Yeah. I don't think that opposing defenses are going to be like, oh, take away the middle of the field. It's over. I, like, as soon as Mike McDaniel has zero counterpunch ability. I just don't buy that. He totally has counterpunch ability. You're right. I do trust Mike McDaniel as as a as one of us. I trust him with my life. As one, one of with us, my okay? life. He's a big old nerd, and he will make adjustments. I still don't think that you're con- you're taking into consideration that he doesn't know how to fall. He, I'm telling you, you need you to watch Google, the you, you need to search him on Twitter today. You can't see this in the dots. You yeah, think you can yeah, see yeah. it in the dots? <laughs> it looks like they put a roll cage around him. And he's just rolling. <laughs> the dot doesn't look right when it's falling. Danny Mouse made a good point. The Jets' defense is actually going to be scary. It's, it is frightening. Yeah. And a really pointless digression. Uh, not saying the Rams lack depth on defense. Like, uh, uh, so forty-one to nothing loss in the preseason. You know, whatever. It's not ideal, but it is the preseason. I did think it was a bad sign when the Rams' third-string middle linebacker they called a timeout so he could fix Sean McVay's sink because uh, <laughs> he's a plumber. Uh, a no, I guess. he's a plumber. <laughs> The Rams have zero depth. There's zero starters. It's about less depth depth than they had last year. Uh, you got to feel good about the Seahawks scoring 100 points in week one against the Rams. So they called a timeout and he's told, yeah, it's just a loose lug nut. (laughs) You have lug nuts and toilets, right? No, you don't actually. But it was was a loose something that he tightened. And then uh, the sink sink worked immediately after that. So he's really good at fixing sinks. I mean, you like to hear that. Uh, Not good at stopping it's crazy that the Rams' defense is built in previous years on, like, we've got stars. We've got studs. If we suffer some injuries, we're a fragile team. We've got the top-end talent. And then they're like, get rid of all all that top-end talent. Send them back. And then there's just Aaron Donald and some, some plumps. I was trying to name a bathroom like part, and I immediately named a car part a lug nut. 
Yeah, the, the, the toilet's carburetor yeah. is like is Ricky. Yeah, the radiator in my toilet. I have to pour a lot of water on that. What kind of toilet do you have? Zoomers have never heard of a radiator, by the way. Zoomers have no. We used to have to fill up our radiator. Have you any, Kyle, did you ever have to pour water on a radiator? No. No? No. Oh, man. I had to pour so much water on my radiator. Me too. My, like, every time it got hot. That sounds like a euphemism I, that I don't no, know about. My uh, 1993 Saturn got quite hot. Yep. yep. <laughs> it got quite dangerously hot. My, my 2002 Mercury Sable. Had oh, dude, had my dad issues. had a Sable, and he hated that Those thing. Those cars were it, pieces of junk. Horrible car. <laughs> pieces of junk. Ford Motor Company, I don't know if they're sponsored us, went through a really, really <laughs> grim period in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yes. Like every other Ford was a lemon. They did get it fixed. <laughs> they got it fixed. The Ford Motor Company has restored pride. I got one of those lemons. To a great American brand, but the Ford Motor Company went through a rough patch in the late 90s, early 2000s. This podcast never went through a rough patch, but now it's over. How do you guys feel we did live from Stanford, Connecticut? I, I like being this close. I, nice. I think we should podcast like this nice. all the time. Just putting my hands on you yeah, guys. And, and you know what? When, when VR is the way everybody you know, works, we are going to be able to put our VR helmets on and be this close every yeah, time. I'm looking forward to that. So for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Doherty. Thank you so much for listening. It's draft week. We're going to have stuff on the site all weekend. We're going to do our live mock draft. On Wednesday evening for you on Thursday. Check that out. We're all going to be participating. Uh, so thank you for listening. We will be back later this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.